I'm here with my guest, Jeremy Ryan Slate, and our co-sponsor for this episode is The Awesome Music Project. You can go to theawesomemusicproject.com, connecting music, science, and story to enhance mental health. Find out more about the, uh, the Awesome Music Project and the AMP Foundation at theawesomemusicproject.com. All right, let's continue our conversation with Jeremy Ryan Slate. We were talking about being open-minded, about the willingness to, to challenge the misconceptions. Mm -hmm. So we've talked about the misconceptions of you as the power lifter and all that stuff, but what do you think is, what would you say is one of the biggest misconceptions about you as you are today? You know, like, cause again, people do judge on the surface. Wow. Um, I don't, I don't really know, honestly. Uh, cause I feel like I'm a pretty straight shooter. So I don't feel like the, if there's that many misconceptions about me unless, you know, people have brought it up to me. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I, I guess misconceptions you have Dov, is there, is there anything there, you know, you see, I, cause I honestly, I, I don't get it. Well, I, I know, uh, but you and I talked about when we first met. Right. Because right? we first met um, and we talked about there is, I mean, this is the thing. This is what I want everybody to grasp for a minute. There is an automatic knee-jerk response to everybody. Oh, absolutely. And, and you have to be willing to go over that. So um, you and I had talked a little bit before, like what was your original perception of me when, when we first met? I just, I remember thinking, wow, this guy's a big deal. Like I'll never get to connect to him. He won't have the time of day for me. Cause your, you, your brand is well established. You've been around for a long time. Um, you felt a little bit unreachable, man. I'm going to be honest. Right. <laughs> and then I met you at an event. I'm like, wow, this guy's pretty cool. <laughs> but you know, but again, that's a very interesting, I mean, I hear that a lot, right? Yeah. It's like, Oh, you know, you, why would you talk to me? Why wouldn't I really? That's my response. Why wouldn't right. I? I just don't even understand the the question, you know, and, you know, he is you, you know, you're wandering around and you, you know, you're young guy and you actually look a little younger than you even are, you know, <laughs> that's true as well. Right. So uh, is this 12 year old podcaster. <laughs> you can add 20 onto that, man. <laughs> but you know, you look really young. Like you look like you're in your early twenties and mid twenties. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's, it's really easy to have a perception uh, about somebody. And I think that this is one of the great challenges. But what I'm thinking about is even at the context of what it is you do for a living. I mean, you've got the Command Your Brand uh, podcast. You've got you, you own a new media company. Let's just sort of examine that for a minute. What do you think that people expect there that's not you? I, I don't know. I think people that. expect like more buttoned up and stuff like that. And I'm just, I don't know. Like, you know, I, I, you can see right now I'm wearing my command your brand Under Armour pullover. Like I, 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 you know, wear a lot of company branded stuff, but I'm, I'm pretty chilled out. But I think at the same time they see somebody that's young and they don't expect me to be, you know, professional and like on top of my game and, and a lot of those things. Um, and, and so I, so I think that's been a little bit of what I've gotten as well. And I find once I have a conversation with people, they're really surprised, honestly, by my comp competence and aptitude. And I think that's what surprises a lot of people once they have a conversation with me. They think, oh, young guy, okay, whatever. They, they don't really realize, you know, I, I've lived a lot of life, man, at only 32. It's, it's, mm -hmm. I think that's what's really interesting. 
Well, let, let's talk a little bit about that because uh, one of the things, one of the many things that you and I have in common, which we again would have been a misconception, we never would have guessed that, is uh, an NDE, near death mm -hmm. experience. Mm -hmm. um, some people say that changes you. Um, I'm not sure that it does, uh, it not you personally, um, but I think that people have, again, I think that's another misconception. People go, oh, this, this, this changes you. I don't think you're changed until later and you're looking back. Talk to us a little bit about yours and the impact of it. Mine's kind of lame, man, because I had, I had what was supposed to be like a pretty easy knee surgery. I actually had the t same surgery that Tom Brady had back in 2008, which is they, they take a, a ligament out of a cadaver, uh, which is a previously dead person, and they replace Previously dead and now alive. Yeah, they haven't died again. Um, so they, they, they replaced it in your knee. And I, I, I destroyed my ACL, PCL meniscus. So I had shredded my knee. And it's supposed to be a pretty easy surgery, like a half an hour to get in and out. And, um, you know, the anesthesia didn't go well. So you have your mm. lungs break off in what are called two bronchioles. And I had an allergic reaction. Um, and I, I found out later is because they actually took the breathing tube and pushed it all the way down into my right lung. But the oh. uh, statute of limitations had already run out at that point. So my left lung collapsed. My right lung overexpanded. I had, you know, I still have scar tissue to this day in my left lung. And um, basically, they couldn't get me breathing again. They're like, well, there's nothing wrong with this heart. We can't figure out what it is. And I was never shown the chest x-rays because they would have figured out, like, hey, this guy can sue me. Um, so, you know, like, basically, they brought a priest and I got last rites. And it was, it's really weird because this is like a three-day period. Like, you're awake, you're asleep. You're awake, you're asleep. You're awake, you're asleep. You think there's people there, you know, that, like, it's weird. Like, some of the people that were there, you remember. Some of the people that you think were there weren't actually there. Like, it's, it's a very, like, ethereal experience. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like... It, it's the only way I can explain it is like in that point in time, you feel like you are the room that might sound really weird, but you feel like you are the room and these people are coming in and out and everything else. And your, your consciousness is very wide and expanded at that point in time. It, at least that's how it felt for me. Um, I don't know how it is going on over three days, over three days. And then day three, boom, fine. Went home. Like, it's like, it's like crazy, but over a three day period, like I literally like they told my parents, they're like, hey, we, we you really should bring a priest in here. We don't know what's wrong, but we can't get him, you know, functioning normally and got last rites. And three days later, it was fine. And it was really interesting because I, I feel like one of the things I personally learned from that was actually a lot of people who I thought were like my best friends, like really weren't. They didn't even come to check on me. They're like, oh, he was gone for three days and nobody noticed. Like, so it was, it was, it was a big wake up call in a lot of ways. Mm, yeah, it's, it's. Do you feel like that changed your view or in some way impacted the way you see, quote unquote, the other side or, you know, the, the, the spiritual realm? I, you know, I don't really think so, honestly. No. Um, it just, it, it didn't really change me. Like nothing really happened for me. It wasn't until when I was 24, I almost lost my mom. Like that was like earth shattering, man. My family is very tight. Mm -hmm. um, I came home from the gym one day and I was the one that found her. Like that's a, I can't even describe to you that experience, what it does to you. And I, th there was a three, four day period of my life. Like other than like calling 911 or whatever, I don't remember it, man. Like it's all blacked out. Like I don't, I don't remember what happened. And it was very, very stressful and traumatic and everything else for me. 
So that is honestly one of the biggest things that changed my life is when it was somebody else and not me. How did it change you? But What's that? How did it change you? I was kind of just not living what I wanted to do. Um, and I didn't really know what I wanted to do, honestly. Like I, I was an educator because, you know, my parents always wanted to be educators and they never had that opportunity. And I said, well, that sounds pretty good. So I think I'll do it. And I was doing things to, to please other people and, and do whatever it may be. And then once you realize that, like, because I, I feel like we feel like we're invincible and we're, we can do whatever and what and, and we're not. What's that? Certainly at 24. Oh, certainly at 24. And then, like, you almost lose a parent and you're like, wow, my mom's only 53. Like, this is insane. And, you know, we still have her to this, to this day. You know, she's in her 60s now, but she's lost her language skills. She can't use the right side of her body. She can't work anymore. And it was a very difficult experience because it made me look like, well, I'm teaching high school. I'm not very happy doing it. Like, what is the long-term thing? I go on like this for another 40 years, angry and upset and not really enjoying my career. What else am I going to do? And at that point, man, like you could have showed me how to sell anything on Etsy and I would have figured it out and like, you know, pick garbage and sold it on Etsy and done it that way. Like I needed a solution of some way, shape or form. So that kind of sent me through a bunch of different things. So I even figured out what new media or podcasting like that was like the first thing wasn't the right thing. The second thing, third thing, fourth thing, it was like five or six, I think that ended up being the thing that actually took. But like, I don't feel like that change ever would have come had I not uh, almost lost a parent, honestly. So you're, you know, you're on the brink of losing your mom Mm -hmm. or young. Um, And I, 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 I'm just wondering about the, the, the thought process that gets you mm-hmm. to examine yourself mm-hmm. because, you know, as you said, it's a black spot because you're just like, you're absolutely yeah, you're in, on man. that person. Mm-hmm. So I wonder, I'm really looking for what was it in you that made you look at you and go, oh shit, this is my life. Uh, I honestly, I read a book called Dianetics at that point in time. Um, it was really, it was really the thing that, you know, made me realize like you can be so much more, you can do so much more and there's these things holding you back and you just handle them and move forward. So it kind of made me, I guess, look at life and, and faith and spirituality in a different way than I'd ever looked at it before. Right. Cause I, I feel like, and, and I don't want to, I guess, invalidate anybody's ideas or views of religion or anything like that. But like for me, you know, like, just going and like praying all the time and doing all this, it didn't solve it for me. You know what I mean? Like it didn't, it didn't handle a lot of things until I realized that like, Hey, like you have to handle yourself as a spiritual being and as a, and as a, as something more than just this body that's kind of storing up to later on. So to me, like understanding that I was more as a person and I was more, you know, that I could be, it made me look for more. You know what I mean? And that was in business. That was in relationships. That was in life. But you um, talked about your mom and da- you talked about your mom and dad bringing in the priest for last rites when you mm-hmm. were on, on the yeah. brink. So obviously you were born into the Catholic faith. Yeah. And, and so my, my college major was Catholic theology. And your college major was that. Mm-hmm. So did, did that, even at that point, you know, um, going to your college major, was that was that sort of driven by a desire to understand it more or was it something it's, else? So I, it's funny. Cause I, um, I had a conversation with my wife after I, after I had read this book and she's like, you know, it's funny. I always saw you as somebody that was always looking for something mm-hmm. and it, it seems like you found it. 
because like right. i i don't know like i was always curious and looking for something i didn't know what i was looking for but then i found it i'm like yeah this is it this is it. like somebody somebody gets how i think you know what i mean like yes. it, it was like and that and that's really what it was was realizing my ideas that I had believed and I had thought of were thought of by somebody else. And I wasn't the only person and I'd never voiced this to somebody. Mm -hmm. And I think that's honestly what it was. Isn't that interesting? Because I think that wherever we fall, when I have these conversations with people, that is often the piece is like Mm -hmm. somebody, somebody thinks the things I think, whether that's, you know, um, somebody who transferred from being one faith, to another faith or mm-hmm. left religion behind, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it was, but just to have somebody validate that I'm not a nutter <laughs> in thinking these thoughts that somebody else has thought those thoughts. When I first, um, when I first read Khalil Gibran's The Prophet, mm-hmm. uh, and that to me is still one of my Bibles, and people go, "One of your Bibles?" I go, "Yeah." If you read it, it gives you guidance for every possible area of your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's one of my Bibles. Um, you know, it, it's just so powerful to, to grasp that. And like you, you know, I studied religious philosophies and all these different things. And, and again, like you, it's not about making those wrong. I think that, I mean, I think I'll be honest in my early twenties, I think I made them all wrong. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I just was like, they're all bad. But now well, I even the, even like studying theology, like like is what I, you, you, it's actually hard to do that because you realize some of these things don't add up. But a lot of them do, but some of these things don't add up. So that itself can be a kind of a struggle of faith. So so talk to us about that word you just used, faith. What mm-hmm. what does that mean to you? Because you're a very logical guy. You've yeah. you've, you've studied logic, mm-hmm. you've studied philosophy. So faith. Do you see that as part of that or something separate? I, I, I see it as part of everything, man. Like you, you have to, like, you wouldn't do something if you didn't have faith in the fact that you could do it. Like, you know, maybe it won't work out the first time. Um, you have faith in the right people in your life. But I, I, I think oftentimes we try to put too much faith in things other than our own personal responsibility. And I, and I, and I think sometimes we, like, I don't want to sound like a jerk about this, but I, I do feel like sometimes and and it's even you know even even the bible like you know god provides he still expects us to do something i think oftentimes people can use the idea of faith to say well i'm not responsible for this or i'm not responsible for that you have to take responsibility for things and i and i think that to me faith is is the only real faith is in you know the spiritual being that you know put you here and then also like in yourself to make it go right, because you can, you can blame a lot of other people, a lot of things and a lot of other circumstances, but you have to take personal responsibility. And, and I, I think it's hard to explain to people because they instantly dive into the arguments they've always had of like, well, you're telling me faith isn't real. I was like, I'm not telling you faith isn't real. Like God made this universe. He put us all here. He gave us the things we need, but you got to do something. And I think oftentimes it's that personal responsibility it scares the crap out of people, man. Yeah, I mean, I, you and I could have a religious conversation here for sure, but, you know, and we can go down many roads. Um, but it's it's interesting to me that when I, as you know, studied many different religions, and when people ask me, and I've been asked many times, which is the which is the right one, and and my answer is, I think you can find great beauty in all of them. 
-hmm. I think they're all full of shit. Um, and, and I'm not going to apologize for that. Um, but, but I really want to clarify it in saying that if you make everybody wrong, who doesn't believe with you, it's full mm -hmm. of shit. I'm sorry. Yeah. I just don't believe that. Um, however, what I find the common ground of all of them and the common ground is love. It is compassion and it is personal responsibility. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, you're not a loving, compassionate being if you're judging others for not being the same faith as you are. Mm -hmm. And you're not taking responsibility if you're putting it in the hands of Jesus. Yeah. Right. I mean, you know, if you want to trust in something and you want to pray and you go for it, fantastic. But like you just said, you have to take the action. You have to step into that. And, and I think if you look at every religious icon, they were icons of faith, not, not, to something beyond themselves, but faith in taking the action. They well, let's, step let's, into let's, something. Let's look at who you just said there. Let's take a look at Jesus, right? Like right. he died for what he believed in. Like, right. you know what I mean? Like he was willing to do something. He wasn't willing to say like, well, you, this is your problem. You go handle this. And I, and I right. think that's oftentimes what happens is we want to blame. We, we often want to use the idea of faith as blame. We want to say it's somebody else's fault. We didn't succeed or we didn't do whatever. And, and I, and I, I think that can be a problem sometimes like a real problem. Yeah. It's, it's really, I mean, if, if we look at it all really it comes down to that personal responsibility piece, Yeah, but that is, maybe that's the greatest challenge of our time, Jeremy. I, I would, I would think it's even worse now, man. Like, my generation kind of stinks at this. Like they're, they, they want to blame everybody for everything that they haven't done. Oh, it's the student loans. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's that. Well, here's the thing, man. You took out the student loan. Like there's, there's people don't see the, the end of responsibility that's theirs, man. And I, like I said, my, my generation and the ones after me are even worse than this because we just don't see how we, people think things happen to them. Nothing in your life happens to you. Everything in your life happens because of you. Either you mm -hmm. failed to do something, you did too much of something, you neglected to do something, or you did something where something else happened to you in return. And, and I think that's what you have to see is you have responsibility in everything. And sometimes that's a little bit scary to people. So when you look at that, did you, before you read Dianetics, did you, mm -hmm. was there a sense of that within you? Did you, did you feel responsible? Because you talked about being in a job you didn't like and potentially mm -hmm. being there for another 40 years. Were you living that irresponsible life and feeling like you were a quote unquote victim? I don't know that I was living irresponsibly, but I feel like I was blaming a lot. Like I yeah. was picked on a lot as a kid. So I said, oh, you know, I don't fit in because the other kids don't like me. Well, then stand up to them, knock them out. You know, who cares? Um, not to say I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a lover, not a fighter. But the thing is, is like at the same time, like, you have to stand up for yourself, man. Like, so I, I do think I was somebody that didn't take a lot of responsibility for a lot of things and, mm -hmm. and, you know, kind of realizing that like nothing in life happens to you. It happens because of you. That was a very scary, but also very empowering thing because, okay, well, if I put myself in this situation, there's a lot I can do to remedy it and a lot I can do to change it. And, and that's what I think is the empowering thing to take a look at there. Like I was definitely playing victim a lot, man. I was picked on a lot. I hanged, I hung out with people that I thought, you know, um, 
were people that I could fit in with and they weren't really, you know, hitting home runs in life because I thought, okay, well, I'm just slightly better than these people. I can hang out with them and I, and I won't feel bad about myself. Like there was a lot of things that I wasn't doing well for that reason. Like you have to realize that personal responsibility is an incredible gift because if you put yourself here, you can change it. You just said something that I think is very powerful um, that I, I see, I know I did it. Uh, and I see it all the time and it's like, crap, come on. And that is people who surround themselves with people who are just a little bit less than they are. Yeah, I did it. There's this false sense of superiority because, you know, the people I hang around with are not quite as bright as I am, or they're not quite as wily as I am, or they're not quite as something as I am, not quite as funny as I am, or whatever it is you've got that's your upper edge that allows you to then say, well, I'm not as bad as them. And I think it's the reason that reality TV is so huge. It's the number one category on TV is because you can look at them and go, well, at least we're not as screwed up as they are. <laughs> but it's, it's so true though. It really is. And we all do it, man. And then we blame those other people because we're not successful. It's like, well, then, you know, take a look at the situation you put yourself in, you know, turn off the reality TV because it's a waste of time and, and, and figure out how you can improve yourself and move forward. And if that's not the place for you to be, then go. So, so talk to us about that because I know you got, um, when you were at college and you were doing your undergrad and then you got um, introduced to this possible program for, to go to Oxford um, there must have been a lot of social pressure, I imagine. I'm not saying it's true. I imagine, you know, like, who the hell are you? What, what do you think? You know, why the hell, you know, who do you think you are going to go to Oxford? You're, you know, you're from, from New Jersey, from a town with 12 people. I mean, you know, what, what are you doing? Did you know, you it's fun. That? Well, no. It's it's funny, man, because it's like, honestly, I didn't want to go. My parents were kind of like, this is an incredible opportunity. Why wouldn't you take it? I'm like, well, because I don't deserve it. So I, you know, I kind of thought like I was somebody that was undeserving of that, first of all. Second of all, like, I'm from the New York, New Jersey area, man. I'm not exactly, I don't know, classy, refined. Like, I'm not a lot of these things. So like, I just didn't really fit in. I made the best, most of the opportunity. And I actually met some incredible people. And I actually, um, I'm a huge C.S. Lewis fan. I actually befriended this guy named Walter Hooper, who is uh, his personal biography or biographer and is the guy that actually manages the state. So I like, and that's the weird thing about me. I've always connected with older people, like people yeah. like significantly above my age. Like I go hang out with them and talk and talk about life and things like that. So I befriended this guy. So I go to the, the C.S. Lewis estate and I got a tour of C.S. Lewis's house, which was very cool. And I got all these autographed books and stuff like that. Because I, I created these opportunities by talking to people that were like older than me. So I'm like, oh, well, I don't really fit in with this group because I'm like too rough around the edges and whatever. And it's, it's interesting because I find that I guess maybe the life experience makes people not look at you in that way. And I, mm -hmm. I think that's why I've always connected with people of, a, of an older way uh, in certain times. But when you were, when you, before you went mm -hmm. and you had the opportunity, what about your mates? How were they with the idea of you, you know, this New Jersey kid going off to, to study in England at Oxford of all places. Ah, uh, you know, all the things like, Oh, Brainiac and this and that. And like, you know, yeah, but I, like none of my friends went to college. So it was also weird. Like if they went, they went to community college and dropped that after a semester. So it was even weird that I was even going to college. So it was kind of like, 
yeah, I'm going to go work at the paint store. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to do that. Like at a certain point in time, it was, it was whatever I'll see in a couple of months. Like they didn't think it was changing the trajectory of where I was going in my life. It was just kind of, it was kind of poo-pooed and not really looked at as like a big deal, I, I guess is the way to put it. Hmm. So I, I really want to dive into your experiences while you were there. Um, because as you said, you befriended the person who takes care of C.S. Lewis's estate. Um, and on top of that, you've got uh, your, your interest in, in Tolkien and then uh, then Tura. And so there's, there's many more places to go. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back. And remember, if you'd like to join in the conversation, then you can come on over to Facebook and go into our group, the Curiosity Bites group. Go right in there. And it, uh, let's, let's have a chat about this. Let's, let's open some minds. And remember, when you get there, do that. Open your mind. Ask a question that you wouldn't normally ask. Dive into a conversation that you wouldn't normally dive into that you might be a little bit held back on. We'll see you in a minute. 